it's really just putting a tool set in the hands of the CFO or the treasurer or the, the operations team to kind of help enable their own strategy as opposed to kind of dictating it. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Today, I'm happy to have Brian Billingsley with Moto Payments. Brian, how are you today? Doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. It's uh, from your experience within the payments industry and, and the technical background of yourself. It's it's really exciting to have you on. Just to kick it off here for, for our listeners, could you give a brief background about yourself and what led you up to your position at Moto? For sure. Happy to. So I've been a payments geek my entire career. I just really enjoy the payments space and I've never really left. So very briefly, I started out at a boutique consulting firm that was ultimately acquired by FIS when Metavante and Fidelity smashed together several years ago. I was in the enterprise strategy group there. And that's actually where I met first met the founder, the CEO and founder of Moto when he was at FIS. From there, I went to more of the, the consumer side. I went to a company called Alliance Data Systems, primarily working in the card group, focused on private label and innovative credit products for large retailers. And then was recruited away to a company called Klarna, where I was the CEO of North America and brought their checkout solution and credit products to the US. So I actually moved to Stockholm, started building the product and the team, then moved it over to the US. And actually, you have been a client of Moto's twice before joining them. So I we leveraged them to Alliance Data to do some uh, execute on some projects and loyalty. And then at Klarna, that used Moto as well to solve some really complex payment problems. So after I parted ways with Klarna, I took a little bit of a break. And I knew I wanted to stay in the payment space. And I loved how Moto was really trying to solve some core issues and payments. I think most people just didn't think anyone could ever solve. And so I wanted to to join that and um, join them as a chief revenue officer a little over a year ago. Did you obviously have had a, a relationship with Bruce, the, the CEO, previously? Did that link to... You know, you bringing them on to Alliance Data and Klarna, or was that just more of the need from both sides, or is it both? Sure. I mean, I'd say the relationship definitely played a part because at, at that point, Moto was for sure, you know, very much in its infancy, and so at that time, you're you're really not only betting the product, but also the people behind the product. When companies are at that stage, and, and knowing Bruce and the team that he had put together at that point, there was a lot of trust there that they could execute. And then also, I liked the product that they were building. So I would say it was definitely both. Ultimately, the teams, you know, my counterparts in technology and compliance, et cetera, had to do their vetting independent of any relationship, but but it definitely played a part for sure. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because obviously working at Cloner and then their rise, I'm sure, you know, especially about the, a few years back, it's really that transition from them to go from, I guess, a fintech player to a, a banking relationship, right? Exactly, so, exactly. Um, and to get that introduction to Moto, I'm sure for them, was really exciting. And then kind of gelling that as both companies start to transition. So could you explain a, a bit about your current role at Moto and what you uh, head up at as the CRO over there? Sure. So Chief Revenue Officer at Moto, and really it's all things sales and business development. So anything that, that has to do with, with revenue, so whether that's coming through direct, direct sales, indirect partnerships. So we do have um, some partnerships in place and we're, we'll be growing that out as I explain kind of the direction we're taking the product. 
and then work very closely with our chief marketing officer to make sure the money being spent in marketing is tying to sales and we're getting the bang for our buck on the marketing side. So that's really my owner, you know, what, what I cover. And then I would say more broadly, just given my experience on the consumer side. So most of our, the Moto folks, they have incredibly deep expertise on the payments network side, payments infrastructure, uh, cryptography. But what I think I can bring to the table is from my experience at Alliance Data and Klarna is the merchant focus. So my experience over the last several years working with merchants, so what do they really care about? What makes them tick, especially online? And then from a consumer perspective, making sure that everything we do, even if the end user is our customer's customer, there still has to be a lot of thought on making sure that that end user has a great experience. And you know, I think there was a time where payments products were made by payments geeks for payments geeks. And, you know, we weren't really thinking about the that end user that doesn't want to care about payments. They just want payments to work and be convenient for them. And so I'm really trying to bring that as kind of an overlaying view that we view everything to that lens of there is going to be an end user customer that has to use this product somewhere and it needs to be really seamless and easy for them to use. Yeah, I mean, back from my last conversation with Ruth, I mean, they, uh, at the time, signed on a pretty few banking partners in that integration, but it seems as you guys are transitioning more to direct-to-merchant as well. Can you talk a little bit about the reasoning for that and then, you know, why the product fits so well within that direct-to-merchant relationship? For sure, and banks are important to us and are still very important to us. Folks like, you know, we, we are working with some large global banks and we're working to bring more of them on, but especially over the last 12 to 18 months, right when I was talking to Moto about joining and as we, and as I joined, we felt that that interoperability need, so the ability to integrate various new payment networks and payments infrastructure to legacy systems is a problem that not just banks have. When you look at very large merchants and merchants that are really scaling, and we can maybe talk about that in a minute, the, as you go up the, opt, I call it the, the merchant optimization curve, the complexity for merchants is very similar to what the bank's experiences are trying to add all these new payment methods on. And as they're trying to scale, whether it's in different regions, the need to add new local payment methods or local processing, complexity pops up in many different ways. A lot of these problems are just assumed that there's no way to deal with them in a better way. And so we felt that there was a great fit for our product for large merchants who are fairly high up the optimization curve and want to continue to optimize their business. The tools that we built, our bank grade tools are really great tools for those large merchants to use as well. So that's really why the focus and, and obviously the market for merchants is just we thought there's a big opportunity and an uncertain and unmet need for these large merchants who want to do a lot more themselves and not hand over total control to to one payment provider. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We're actually seeing the same thing with cross-border within money movement. You know, the, the the larger players are actually tied to other liquidity providers or maybe even technical, technical mm-hmm. whereas larger merchants and, and larger e-commerce companies are actually looking at the same needs and the same fit. For, for you guys specifically, who would you say is close to doing something similar to what you do as far as the competition goes? Sure. In a recent sales meeting, you know, I'll use what the very large retailer said after the conversation. They said, after we explained what Moto does, they said, oh, you allow us to build our own custom Audien. And I took that as a real compliment. Obviously, Audien, a really great company, super impressive. You know, I, I think they should be, be seen as a company to be admired in the payment space. 
especially when you hear wine merchants like them, what I think, me personally, what I think they really innovated on was the reporting and the ability to give merchants access to their own data that other processors just couldn't. I think they did a great job there. But I would say as you, as merchants go up the optimization curve, where if a merchant came to me and says, hey, we're doing 10 million in revenue, we want to sell globally, I would probably say go to Audien or go to Stripe or that, that would be the right choice there. But for a merchant that, you know, is doing 500 million plus in revenue, that they have a treasury team. They have, many of these merchants have an idea. They have the strategy. They've done the analysis, for example, on how could they route, how could they use a bin table to route better? How could they route to different processors for either optimal SLAs or for pricing, or they need local, certain regions that they're either going into or already in local processing would increase acceptance rates. That's where we really shine. So I would say, you know, someone that does something similar would be like an Audien, but in other ways, it's the exact opposite where Audien does a great job of saying, hey, just integrate to us and, you know, one fee and we're going to kind of get you everywhere. You know, we might not necessarily tell you how we get you there under the covers, but we can do a great job of setting you up. And we say, no, we're a utility. We're not a fintech. The way we're very different is we don't hold touch or move money. We handle all the data but allow that merchant to really set things up any way they want. And, you know, we don't charge ad valorem. We don't charge a per transaction fee. And so you see it much more as a utility to build your own kind of switch payment stack as opposed to just kind of handing the keys to the kingdom over to someone else. And again, sometimes that strategy makes a lot of sense for a merchant and for others. That's not really want to focus. But so I would say someone like that or like a Zeus that was recently acquired that and a cloud-based switch that allows you to get to multiple payment methods, but then it does much more than a switch that really focuses on the before, during, and after the transaction. Yeah, th- well, thanks for that. That's really helpful for, for our listeners, for sure. Um, you did touch on one thing of that Moto doesn't hold touch or, or move any of the money. What advantages is that for you? And, and obviously, there, there's a reason behind that, right? So Correct. About that. Well, I think there are, I mean, one, I think there are some, you know, there are already a lot of several great players in the market that do hold touch and move money. So if you say, hey, I need to connect to somebody and and just, you know, I, I want to pay you a premium and you just get me to these endpoints or send money to these endpoints and that partner has all the money licenses needed and can take ownership of the funds, then, and that's your strategy, then there are several great companies that can help you do that. In many, in most cases, you're going to be giving a large chunk of the margin over to that partner because they're going to make, they're going to want to, you know, take their their chunk of flesh from the FX rate. They're going to likely charge ad valorem fees. But again, it's really a choice and strategy. Our goal is no, you as a very large player in the industry. Again, where we where we sit as a a growth stage company trying to be very focused. Where you know our focus is on the larger merchants that aren't necessarily saying, hey, we just just one connection, just get us everywhere. We're fine paying a premium. It's give us one connection and the toolkit to truly optimize our payments. So we want to work, see how much of this debit volume we can route via penless debit. We want to champion challenger against multiple acquirers because we've allowed for that. We've enabled that in our in our negotiations. We we want to go local in Brazil. We want to go local in you know, these countries in Asia, because we've done the analysis and we really, we know what we're doing. We have the knowledge. We just aren't able to keep up from the technology and an implementation and, and keeping up with all these APIs. So that's really why we decided we don't want to hold such a bit of money. We want to be that utility that allows, that takes all of the, the PCI scope away, all of the integration headaches away, all the updates to the APIs. 
and then helps them bring all that money back in from a combined settlement reconciliation perspective, give them one tool to do repudiations, chargebacks, et cetera. But all those that money is coming back into those merchants, you know, the settlement bank, their treasury banks that, that they choose. So that's really the difference where we we want to it's really just putting a tool set in the hands of you know the CFO or the treasurer or the, the operations team to kind of help enable their own strategy as opposed to kind of dictating it. Yeah. And again, yeah. back to, and we're not, not necessarily, I mean, for some merchants, one way, especially ones that are smaller and are scaling, it does make a lot more sense to hand the keys to the kingdom. So not necessarily that's wrong. It's just, I think our merchants are at a different place in their life cycle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And from my experience, it definitely differentiates you comparable to the market where you're, you are dictating that and you are dictating the fees that go along with that as well. Um, rather than giving them the choice to be able to connect, you know, what, what they want. And you did mention that you don't charge per transaction and you have a different set of, uh, I guess, value, bringing that utility. Um, could you talk a little bit about, I wouldn't say the pricing structure, but how you guys see the value to your customers and how you're delivering that uh, in addition to what was already mentioned today? Sure. Yeah. Don't, I, you know, I won't go into details, but really we see us offering this utility, this kind of a payment switch plus where you can kind of add building blocks as you go. So typically we'll charge a per connector fee. So you just pay a flat fee per connector that you're adding. So that connector could be, hey, I want to add these four acquirers. I'm going to add, you know, Ideal in the Netherlands. I need to add Klarna in these Northern Northern European countries. So those would just be a flat fee per connector. And then, you know, then typically it's how, depending if there's any, data hosting needs or what we call uh, vault needs. So maybe you need to have various vault accounts by region or you, based on your client's requirements, you need a single tenancy versus multi-tenant environment or there's certain regions where you might need one over the other. Those are the building blocks that you put in place. But as the as the executives at the, the merchant are able to really choose what those building blocks are. And then the beauty is the more you use this, the cheaper it gets because we, you can just more volume down that pipe and so that per transaction cost because most CFOs on our always when you're talking payments will kind of back into what a per transaction cost is even if a cost is flat so the more volume you put through it's really the cheaper it gets for you so we try to make it you know really make it make sense to cram more volume down the motor rails you know I'd love to a lot of times I try to shy away from the you know the X X company for Y. But as I internally, as I talk about this, you know, I, I love to think about Twilio. I think it's an amazing company. It was fun watching them take off. Like no one could ever imagine, you know, when, when Twilio first started, everyone's like, oh, what a, that's a niche, that's a feature. And now you look at no company in the world would ever really think about developing their own internal Twilio because they've just done such a good job and the price is reasonable. It's just, you just use it. And I think, you know, I, I see us five, 10 years down the road where we want to be that utility where no large merchant would ever say, we should do, we should build and maintain all these integrations ourselves. There's this thing called Moto out there. That's just how you do it. It's just bank rate security, easiest way to get to these endpoints. We control our destiny, kind of end of story. Yeah, that is, that's, you kind of answered my next question, which is where do you guys see yourself in the, the next uh, five to 10 years? And that's exactly what I was assuming of where you were trying to get to as far as you know, just putting the, putting the pieces together, putting that hard work that you've guys done as the Lego blocks, as you mentioned, and lettering that offering to other companies to be able to just you know plug and play 
in a global scale. And I think that's exactly where, you know, at least from the outside looking in that where you guys would, would be uh, headed to. So appreciate you covering that as well. Well, Brian, you know, a lot of information here for our listeners, really good value that you uh, have mentioned here. What's the best way to get in contact for our listeners if they were interested in getting in contact with uh, you and, and your team at Moto? Yeah, I know would love an email. You can email me directly. We're still a relatively small group, just Brian, B-R-I-A-N at motopayments.com. And I will respond promptly. And I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you. I've always admired Currency Cloud. So thank you for this opportunity uh, to be on your program. Yeah, sure thing. I appreciate the time as well. Well, pleasure. Take care, Brian. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.